You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast. Hey Williamson and Ross Taylor hit centuries in the same innings for the first time as rain brought a premature end to the final day in Hamilton. That draw gave New Zealand the series 1-0, extending their excellent recent record at home and extending England's fairly mediocre run away from home. I'm Yaz Rana and on the phone with me from the ground in Hamilton is the editor of the Wizard Almanac, Lawrence Booth. Lawrence, today wasn't particularly exciting. Um, it was Kane Williamson and Ross Taylor's turn to cash in. But we've got to start with that Joe Denley drop. Is that the worst drop you've ever seen from an international cricketer? Can you think of any excuses for poor Denley? Uh, I think it's the worst I've seen live. Um, I mean, I can remember some some shockers down the years. I mean, Mike Gatting's drop of, uh, of the insoles in India has been doing the rounds from 92-3. was at Silly Point and... The ball lobbed up to him, and he sort of blamed the sun. But Mike Atherton, who was uh, who was sitting on the sidelines for that game, he was in the press box earlier today, and he, he was saying that the, that the ball wasn't high enough to be to disappear into the sun. So he had no excuses there. Um, Michael Vaughan's dropped a couple of shockers, hasn't he? I remember Sean Pollock dropping an absolute sitter at mid on against England in a one day. But I think that when when you throw in the um, the, the circumstances, Kane Williamson, New Zealand's best batsman, Joffre Archer, the bowler who's been struggling for wickets all tour, and was was celebrating. You know, before he'd realised that the ball had um, had been grasped by Denley, you know, it all added up to a bit of a horrible moment, and it absolutely took the last remaining wind out of England's sails as they pushed for what would have been an extremely unlikely uh, um, win anyway. And was there an excuse for Denley? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I suspect he just lost concentration. I'm not sure there's any other explanation for it. Playing devil's advocate, batsmen get deceived by slower balls. Could Denley have been deceived by the ball coming? to him so than he expected? Well, he'll probably thank you for offering that excuse. Um, I think batsmen can get deceived, and, and indeed Williamson was, because it, it was a knuckleball by, by Archer, and he, he, he played too early, and, and also Archer didn't didn't involve his, his left arm in the action, so he was trying something different, which is what Root has been asking for them to do, but, but Denley had so much time to, to size it up. Um, uh, I, I think he probably... He was in that sort of frame of mind where he had one foot on the plane, the game was going to be a draw because the forecast said there'd be rain after lunch, uh, and he just switched off. So that will infuriate Root because he, his message to the team was very much, let's put in, even if there's only one session of this tour to go, let's finish on a high, you know, let's claim the moral uh, victory from this game, even if it's going to be a draw. And one of the, the, the last remaining memories from this tour will be one of the worst drops we've ever seen in international cricket. Had it not been for England's collapse on the second morning of the first test, 
We probably would have had two pretty dull draws. Do you think the quality of pitches or the quality of balls should be reconsidered in New Zealand? Well, I think this pitch was, was a bad one, Hamilton. Um, it, it was a slow, low pudding, and it's the kind of pitch that gets produced when the home team is uh, leading in the series. I, I, Mount Monganui wasn't so bad. Um, I mean, you know, it, it produced a, a result in the last session of the of the match. And yes, you, you, you may say it was partly because England collapsed, but the collapses happen in Test cricket. The opposition could bowl well. Southie's spell on the second morning at Mount Monganui was exceptional and showed England how to bowl on... on uh, pitches that aren't offering them assistance um, and also the, the other point about New Zealand pitches is that generally speaking they get results here you know the, the, the Mount Monganui pitch was, was a bit of an exception in New Zealand partly because it was the first game it staged and they didn't want it to be over in three days and, and be deprived of test matches in the future by, by an executive that always likes to fill its coffers um, so that you know that, that was I think an outlier generally speaking New Zealand pitches start with a bit of green you bowl first 20 wickets fall on the first two days and then it flattens out, but they, they get results. So England can complain about the, the pitches that they want. The reality is New Zealand uh, exploited them uh, far better than they did. Yet again, England struggling uh, overseas. England lost a two-match series in New Zealand 1-0 20 months ago. They've just lost another two-match series 1-0 here again. What positives can England take from this tour? Has progress been made? Well, it's, it's difficult to compare this tour with that one because the personnel is sort of a bit different now. They, they're under a new coach and they're pl- trying to play a different style of cricket. Also, the, the, there was a day-night game in, in that first series that you mentioned in England, of course, were all out for 58 at Auckland. Um, there are some positives. Uh, look, Rory Burns has confirmed a good impression he made during the Ashes. He looks like he'll be around for a while. Um, Ollie Pope played very well for 75 here at Hamilton and the, the kind of cricket that, that Rude has been calling for. Chris Wokes has actually bowled pretty well. You know, he's, he's had a bit of problem with the, the Red Kookaburra down the years uh, and he, he, he took three for and then one for not many in the second inning. So he'll be happy with that comeback. But look, England took 21 wickets uh, across two tests. Now, that, that's a slightly sobering statistic. Uh, and some of their new younger batsmen, even younger batsmen than, than Burns, didn't have a great time of it. Sibley, Sibley struggled, let's be honest. I mean, he hung around for an hour and a half in each of his first two innings at Mount Wanganui and, and looked like he had a you know a decent temperament but it looks like there are some technical issues there and Zach Crawley had, had one innings and, and didn't last long so hard to, hard to make a, a judgment call on him um, I, I suspect what will happen is they'll go to South Africa with some of the older faces you know Anderson may be back Wood may be fit Johnny Best though hard to see him not being chosen, Moeen Ali, you know, we, we, we could be back to a very familiar looking team and wonder exactly what we got from this tour in New Zealand. Yeah, do you expect any changes? Well, I think the, the guys I mentioned, if, if fit, will, will, and, and in Moeen Ali's case, if, if, he, if he wanted to make a return to Red Bull cricket right now, um, I think all four of those guys, I'd be surprised they didn't make the squad. I mean, the issue with Best, though, is how does he get into the test team, you know, with, with the gloves going to Josh Butler now, there isn't an obvious way in what may happen I suppose is that if Sibley is chosen and struggles in the first two tests they may decide that Joe Denley could open with Rory Burns and that the only available slot then in the test side is number three uh, over to you Johnny Bairstow of course he made a century there in Colombo a year ago from that position but he wasn't it wasn't his natural home and he, and he, he made it clear that he wasn't happy there but you know unless Joss Butler uh, suffers a horrific run of form that may be best there's only route back um the spinning option is an interesting one. England went in without Jack Leach 
to this game as a five-man seam attack. I, I suspect they may want to spin option up their sleeve in South Africa. And if Moeen Ali is ready to, to return to Test cricket, then you know I think the way Leach bowled at Mount Monganui, which was sort of tidily but not very threateningly, gives Moeen a, a way back in. And of course, there's, there's his batting as well. So. Look, there are, there are issues for them to, to, to work on. Um, and, you know, Root, Root's tried to spin it as a sort of, we've learned things from this series, but I think at heart of hearts, he knows that there's still an awful lot of work to do before they, they become the kind of team that can challenge Australia in two years' time. Thanks for joining us at the end of Everyday's Play, Lawrence. Really enjoy the chats. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Thanks, Yaz. Enjoyed it very much. All the best. I'm in the Wisdom Studio with Wisdom's Tar Hashim. Tar, England travel to South Africa next. A side that aren't quite what they have been for most of this century. Would you make changes to the England squad from the 15 who went to New Zealand? I think there definitely are going to be changes. Um, one person I'd really love to see in this squad um, to South Africa and just back in this lineup in general uh, is Mark Wood. I think he offers something a bit different to the rest of the attack. You know, Jofra Archer, this was a sort of a wake-up call, a, a, a bit of a, his first real trouble in the international scene. Um Mark Wood is that one other sort of express guy um, we saw in his last test appearance um, in, in back in the West Indies. You know, if he if if he gets it right, he's borderline unplayable. Saw how brilliant he was during the World Cup, and then obviously what happens with Mark Wood is is the injuries. Um, but a fit and fire Mark Wood on South African pitches, I think that would really um, add another dimension to, to England's attack. Presuming everyone's fit, how do you fit Mark Wood in the team? Would you drop Joffre Archer? Oh no, I, you know, he's had a couple of tough tests, Joffre Archer, but um, he still should be in that lineup. He's... England have so many bowlers who, particularly in South African conditions, which should be in theory more friendly to English bowlers. Yeah, it's very hard to pick just three frontline seamers. Yeah, it is. I mean, a lot will depend on whether when that whether J- James Anderson gets is, is fit or not. Um, Let's say he is fit. How how do you, how do you get them in? It is difficult. It is, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. But again, I think my my point comes back to to Wood. I really do think mm. Wood is Wood is a key. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, it, very rarely are all all of England's fast bowlers fit. Mm. Um, so when when you do actually have to make a decision, there's usually actually not that many options. So yeah. Um, and how how do you see that series going? As I, as I said. I, I don't think South Africa are quite the team they, they have been there in a period of transition themselves. Uh, yeah, it's definitely an easier matchup for England, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> this New Zealand side, and we'll get to this New Zealand side, um, are sort of something else. They're, they're a side that's settled. They're at, they're at their peak. Um, South Africa, their troubles are sort of clear to see. Just been trounced by India. Back on, you know, back on their home turf, they'll obviously be a uh, a reasonable threat but you know England have England have done alright when they've gone to South Africa in the past and um, yeah I think it's just going to be I think that'll be a more exciting series than this one obviously the pitches I mean you know great pretty dull pretty yeah good. and obviously a two test series is always it can't throw up the same excitement mm. as something that's going to drag on for about you know four not a drag on's probably not the right <laughs> term there yeah I think it might be um, one more question about England squad selection for the South Africa tour. A lot's been said about Johnny Bairstow coming in. My perspective is, what's changed from him not being selected for the New Zealand tour in that time for him to come back in? Yeah, it's a strange one because... Was, was, was Zach Crawley's five balls that bad? <laughs> yeah, it's, I, 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 see, I see what you're coming at because, you know, you drop someone and you kind of 
It's it's not like he can go and play first class mm. Korea and get, it's not like there's a county season starting tomorrow where he can go and get those runs again. So what can you do? I guess maybe he could spend plenty of time in the nets. I thought it was really it was really interesting when they called him up as cover. Why not just then put him back in the squad, you know? It's kind of it, it does seem a bit odd to say, Oh, he's not good enough for us right now, but then He's kind of good enough yeah, he's if we need him to be. It's like, they, it's like they don't really know what to do. And it's not um, time off that he needs. Yeah. Like he was there in the T20 squad, which I thought was yeah. quite odd. Does it does it really help him going to South Africa if they don't have that ultimate faith in him? You know? I'm, I'm really not sure. I don't see the benefit of taking yeah. first to South Africa. I'd take if, folk, just take folks. It's a weird one. But I mean, uh, we, we kept on hearing it during, during the commentary as well for this test, how much... You know, people were like, oh, Johnny Bairstow, you know, he's just so good as a test batsman. But the numbers shown over the last few years, couple of years, that he hasn't been. And, you know, he does need that time out and to actually go and play cricket. The problem is he can't, you know, go and play Red Bull cricket. He has to wait quite a bit of time for the county season to start again. So it's a weird one. Um, but I can understand why people will be tempted because it is Johnny Bairstow. He has the reputation of being an excellent batsman because he is an excellent batsman. And he has done it in test cricket before, but it's been quite a long time since yeah, we've seen it. Yeah, exactly. Um, weird one. Yeah, it is weird. And I think that England team, uh, we've not talked about it on the podcast yet, but yesterday it was reported in the Garden that Keaton Jennings has been considered for a recall for the Shranka series that comes after the South Africa tour. Um, so they're obviously thinking about horses for courses selections. And with that in mind... I think England England will probably take folks to at least Sri Lanka. So I think it kind of makes sense for him to be on the squad for South Africa as well. Uh, I think that Sri Lanka series win last year is looking better and better the further we are from it. Teams struggle in Sri Lanka and actually a 3-0 win there is excellent. So they'll probably go back to that formula and bringing folks back for a bit before that seems to make sense. Um, we've talked too much about England. What about New Zealand? They've got two huge series coming up, away to Australia, home to India. Um, they've won their last six home series in a row. Um, I was thinking earlier today about this. They have probably only been two England sides over the last 50 years, better than the current New Zealand team, the team Vaughan side, and then the team that went to number one under Strauss. How do you think they'll fare in those two series? Um, I just think it's going to be such a great series. Um, Australia look solid. They've got Smith and Warner back. So they're sort of the Australia of old again, you know, really, really difficult to be at home. Um, but this New Zealand side, they've just got, they just seem to have, have it all covered. I guess you, you could say they don't have the world-class spinner. Uh, and right now they've got one opener who's horribly out of nick. But look at the, look at those names: Tom Latham, Williamson, uh, Ross Taylor, B.J. Watling. They're all in New Zealand's top ten Test run scorers. Mm. It's a special, special team, and they they find a way. And in that first Test, we saw they showed it. They showed England like this is how you, this is how you play Test cricket. You know, you you can't. They're not happy with four hundred. You know, you go and you get six hundred something, mm. and they're just a, a fine, fine side. Um, uh, with a superb bowling attack. It wouldn't be the Wisdom Cricket Daily podcast in New Zealand without us mentioning Neil Wagner. He was given the Player of the Series award. 13 wickets at 19.84 for a pace bowler on those sort of surfaces when England as a team got 21 wickets between them across the whole series. In Australia, you'd think the pitches suit him even more than the ones in New Zealand. Like New Zealand pitches in theory should be the worst possible kind of pitch for a bowler like Wagner. Yeah. But then again, I, I think with Wagner, you sort of look beyond skills, look beyond pace, just 
just focus on his on his face when 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 he's bowling because there's focus on his face when he's bowling it and, and if you're not focusing on that focus on the way he walks back to his mark uh, because it doesn't matter what the score is he he walks back the same the shoulders are broad he's there's focus there there's, he's you know he is just going to run in and for first team and just battle away for his life his will that gets him through um it's staggering to watch uh, 13 wickets in this series when every other bowler has just had a bit of a nightmare yeah England leading wicket taker was Sam Curran with six really so, okay yeah. wow um so that kind of that kind of says it all um what a bowler I, I just mm. every time you watch him in the series you know it's been a batsman dominated series but when Wagner's bowling he feels something might happen someone might make a mistake and do you think Lockie Ferguson will finally make his test debut I'd love to see it happen. Uh, I absolutely loved watching Lockie Ferguson in the World Cup. Just the whole there was a, there was a, similar to Wagner. There's a, there's a drama when he comes into bowl. Um, you know, in the World Cup, it was the it was the black shoes, mm. the mustache, sort of this sort of villain with the long sleeves, and then he comes in, thunders the ball down, um, and also a very smart bowler. He's got he had slower balls and all that kind of thing. Sim- he's he is quite similar to Wagner in that way. And um, the two of them as a, as a partnership would be sort of enticing to watch. Well, thanks, Art. And thanks for listening over the course of this test, folks. We'll be back with our weekly podcast later in the week. If you've enjoyed the show, please tell your friends. And if you're feeling extra nice, please leave us a five-star review on the podcast app of your choosing. Podcast Network.